Welcome to Coach's Corner. I'm Pat Martino, and this is episode 5 of my 2020 NFL Draft Preview. Today we're going to be talking linebackers. Enjoy the show. Jumping aboard for his second stint on the Coach's Corner podcast, we're blessed to have Susquehanna defensive coordinator Pat Rule. He's going to talk to us about linebackers today. Pat, most importantly, how are you holding up in uh, quarantine these last few days? What have you been up to? Good, man. We uh, we have our, our player meetings, so doing a lot of film study with them, really trying to stay on top of all that, and we put together our quizzes and our, our weekly tests and quizzes, you know, just to, to really try to make it as, as close to the real thing when we have spring ball as possible, obviously in this, in this tough time, we're trying to, you know, trying to adapt, but you know, I've been pretty good. And, you know, thanks for having me back on. I couldn't get enough of this stuff. You know, I, you feel like, I know we talked about it when, when you really go in depth and break these guys down, I almost feel like, I'm more uh, pot committed now moving forward on these guys to see how their careers pan out and early on and even, even long-term. Yeah. It's definitely an activity that you feel like is an investment of sorts. Like we're going to be following these guys. We're going to be you know more into the draft for sure. But I, I just think the whole process is actually just useful for, for coaches and some guys that got out of their comfort zone just to be speaking about stuff like this. I, I've really enjoyed the process so far and, I couldn't be more pleased with, with how it's gone, mainly because of how you kicked it off with that safeties breakdown. I thought you did a great job and set the bar high, and my guests have worked hard, you know, in the wake of that to not get embarrassed. So, <laughs> Well, I appreciate that. So I, I kind of wanted to get started with, with a general point on the linebacker position. You know, my goal here was to kind of break down the top 100 guys in the draft and then divide them positionally. And when I did that, by definition – I don't know exactly what that definition is, but only seven of them came up as LBs. Now, I mean, where do you redraw the line now? If there's so many different schemes or so many different hybrid guys, you know, it seems like these guys are almost other than maybe a handful of them, more true traditional inside linebackers. Like I almost feel like we should put an I in front of the LBs because that's kind of what we're looking at until we get, you know, towards the top a bit. But what is a linebacker to you in, in 2020? Yeah, this is a really interesting group. It is a small group. You know, I'm going to kind of give you a little bit of a spoiler. Outside of one guy, I think there's a, lot, there's a lot of similarities as far as the position is really turned into big athlete as far as you have to be able to run. And it's interesting because as I look at the list, there's a lot of guys from different types of leagues that maybe more predominantly pass and therefore your skill set really needs to be a lead as far as being able to laterally cover the field sideline to sideline and I think that that's really where the game's going in general you know I I know that there's obviously a little more ground and pound pro ball in some leagues than you know more than others and in the league a lot of people are pretty multiple in their personnel groupings and you know, how they attack defenses, both vertically and horizontally, both 50-50 run pass. You know, some teams are different than others. But, you know, I really think when you look at this this group and the position in general, it really is glaring. I mean, the 
the guy that wore the leather helmet that fits the A gap really isn't a isn't a factor in the NFL anymore. You know, he's probably realistically he's probably growing up if he's big enough and putting his hand in the ground. Uh, yeah, the, the kind of guys with, with that you know body type and frame now to make it in the league, they almost have to be you know freaks, guys that can you know carry the the seam ball and cover two. And I mean, Evan Weaver from California is a, a throwback type kid. When you look at it on when you look at him in a uniform, for one thing. But I don't know if we're ready to dive into it yet. But he's like one of those leather leather helmet type guys that you were speaking of. Uh, I don't see too much of a future for him in the league. But even more so, just breaking down the linebacker position, you know, when we talk about outside linebackers, what's the difference between what we're classifying now as edge? Like a lot of these, that's like the new term in the draft. You're an edge player. Um, is that the same thing as a 3-4 outside linebacker? I mean, are we getting so specific now that 4-3 outside linebackers are the are the most, you know, wide position that we're calling LBs? Like, I don't really know how to define some guys as edge. We were confused with the kid on Wisconsin, you know. I don't know what position does Simmons play. It's just I, I don't know how how to really quantify edge versus OLB and so forth and so on. So I think as the game's evolved, right, the two biggest positions defensively that make the bread at this point are, are guys that can play lockdown coverage and guys that can rush the quarterback. And I think edge is really code word for pass rusher. You know, and, and, you know, so I think back on, you know, Clay Matthews mm -hmm. standing up at the, on the edge of a four, two, five, or, you know, Von Miller, or, you know, and some of these guys are three, four, you know, some schemes are three, four, but Khalil Mack, um, you know, these guys that are in a two point stance, standing in a five technique and able to bend and do all those things. And, you know, I think that, backer at this point is guys that you know are really good athletes but they're going to play a lot on the second level and they're going to be blitzers when they're when they're bringing it they're going to be a fifth guy or, or a fourth guy in a three down scheme you know they're going to be asked to drop into coverage more than what you would consider an edge rusher to yeah. be so these edge backers when they're being trained in practice you know for individual periods and stuff when they're honing in on their pass rush skills are they repping with like defensive end types or is it a whole separate class? Like what for you guys, even at Susquehanna, your three, four outside backers or who are they working with during individuals? That's actually a very, it's actually a very interesting question because we're kind of all over the place in that regard. So we have our individual that we do where we are, you know, working reads and keys. And in that period of time, the outside linebackers are together, you know, the two positions, the the field and the boundary, really working on, you know, being a loose nine or playing in an apex or, you know, being a seam defender and those things. And then at some point in Indy, we will certainly pretty much, if not together, do almost a lot of the same drills as far as, you know, rushing the edge, anchoring against the tackle, defeating double teams when we're when we're stunting as, as a three four outside linebacker into the boundary. So our scheme, we really do have a guy who you would consider edge, which is our, which is our boundary outside linebacker, right? We're not a we're not a classic, uh, you know, four four down, four you know hands in the ground, four D lineman unit. We have that guy that is the hybrid that you know you're seeing you know this league have now, but. Yeah, I mean, they definitely have to possess a lot of the toolbox that, that 
edge you know, that defensive linemen have, you know, but also be a little more athletic to play in space and, and do those things. Yeah. So when, when I was coaching at Susquehanna in a four, two, five scheme, I, my job was the inside linebackers, which was a relatively simple position assignment wise in that scheme. So really my main focus was just technique, technique, technique. It has to be perfect for us. They're already trying to sub us off the field now. So, I mean, we, we better own exactly what we're trying to do and really improve our skill set every single day or else who knows, maybe we're going to be going to a, a, a four, one look like they just want linebackers out of the game. Now it's so spread out that I, I think the further inside you get, the more, less room for error, you better be a technician or you're not going to make it in that position. They'll just replace you with a, a better athlete. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's, it really is a special combination of guy. You know, there are other guys that are like true safety hybrids and those guys better be able to cover a little, but guys that are like true linebacker build classic, you know, linebackers, that's what they grew up playing. Not, I used to be something else and they are running back or whatever. And they, they cross train me to be a backer. Those guys, when they're able to cover, first of all, a lot of it has to do with either being able to wrap your head around technique and leverage very quickly or being coached up big time on, you know, body positioning and, and still having enough speed that, you know, do you trust yourself to, you know, be patient in a three-step window and those kind of things as a linebacker. Now you don't want to match those guys up too often with, you know, speedy slots, but in today's game, you'd hope your, your better coverage linebacker can match up with, you know, some of the tight ends in the game. I mean, that's really, you know, that's really the matchup they're going to, if they're able to do that, then, you know, they're a very valuable piece. Yeah. I think like the old school backer is actually easily recognizable on film. There's almost like there's some sort of innate instinctive ability, especially in their run game, how they just kind of, I use the term move like a linebacker. They naturally are trying to keep their shoulders square to the line of scrimmage. They have good pad level just the, the way that they diagnose it's like they have, were born to play that position. I was always intrigued by that, by linebackers. There's something, you know, different about those type of guys. And some of my favorite guys to watch on film. I do think there was a couple like that in this list. The, the, the first guy, let's get to Evan Weaver at Cal 6'2, 237, slow as molasses four seven six. You know, I mean, that's not that horrific of a time, but he, to me, he looks even slower than that on the tape. What'd you think about Evan Weaver? He, he's a throwback for sure, but what are your thoughts on him? You know, four, seven, six, isn't that slow in like the grand scheme, but you know, nowadays kind of like we just talked about, I mean, you might as well get out your sundial if you're on the four, seven, six, an inside linebacker. And, and to your point, he runs that fast or slower on tape. Like I remember watching, I forget who the linebacker was from, from, it was Brandon Spikes, I think, from Florida back in the day. Yep. And, and he clocked like an abysmal time. I'm talking like even slower than this, like five maybe. And But he didn't play that slow. You know, it ultimately got – it knocked his draft stock down terribly. And then he ended up still having a really good uh, career in the league. But, you know, he played a lot faster than his 40 time. This guy actually runs a, a fairly slow 40 for today's game and – he actually might run slower than his 40 suggests. So he only benched 15 and two. So I mean, he's, he's not a fast guy and he's not strong. So at least in his upper body, he's not strong. The one thing that was super interesting about him, which I saw and I thought it was a typo 
was that he ran a 4-2-1 in the pro agility, which was the second fastest time for all the linebackers, which was absurd to me considering that I actually thought that if anything, one of the, that his short area quickness was a deficiency and not a strength. So I felt that, the same way. What exactly is the pro agility test? Do you have any? Uh, yeah. So it's the 20, it's, it's also the five ten five. you know, it's the 20. So you're starting flat and you're going, you're touching five one way, you're running 10 the other way, touching the line, finishing through. So it actually is usually a pretty good indicator of guys ability to change direction and burst yeah. short, short area quickness. It, it's, you know, for, for positions really outside of playing on the perimeter, it's actually a lot of times a better indicator of a guy's, you know, speed that's going to translate to how he plays on the football field. But I don't see it with him. You know, there, the other thing that was really interesting to me is that I don't know why I watched this game or how. I think it was just a game I had. We had a lot of Cal film for whatever reason. And when they played against Ole Miss, um, there were some, like, glaring loafs in the yeah, game. Yeah, there were. I'm talking, like – unacceptable and and for a guy that isn't already like a top tier athlete like i better be able to say plays with his hair on fire relentless like hard hat like i just didn't get it and that's what i'm saying you you look at him at first and you think wow he, he must just be a grinder and just play with incredible effort and because how else can he be this productive i mean he was the the nation's leading tackler <laughs> i know i know um but they, yeah i watched that old miss film as well that was early in the season that was a noon start. I, I bet you it was a million degrees and hot and humid down there. I mean, these are all excuses, but I kind of no time difference. He was on the west, come from the west yeah, coast. Yeah, that's you know. a tough spot for, yeah. for anyone. But I saw that too. You know, I, I I need to see elite effort if you don't bring agility and severe talent to the uh, to the equation. And I didn't see that from him. You know, and and some of them were like smash where he was like running inside out and the ball was getting to the edge. And when it got thrown, he would kind of. The one that was the most glaring to me, though, there was a play. It had to have been fairly late in the fourth quarter. They were in the red zone. And Ole Miss ran, like, inside zone away from him. I'm sorry, to him. The back was away. They ran inside zone to him. And the ball hit the B-gap. And it, it couldn't have been more than a foot and a half to his right, to the side he was flowing. It didn't cut back across his face, whatever. It just passed him. And he didn't leave his feet. He didn't lunge. It was like the most bizarre. It was like his eyes were closed or he had the sun in his eyes. It was like the most bizarre thing I'd ever seen. And then it passes him and like runs into the end zone. And he continues at the same pace, never, never bursting. It was, it was pretty insane. Um, he, he was a D line recruit, which is an interesting one for me. I, and this is something I'm going to talk about. There's a couple guys here in this group specifically that weren't recruited or, either weren't recruited as or their primary position in high school wasn't linebacker. And he's one of them. He was a, he was an edge rusher. He was a defensive end and they moved him to linebacker. And you see that with some of his stuff. I think Ashton Davis, who's his teammate, you know, he was coached up. Well, that was one of like the positives we gave him. Mm -hmm. And that's something that, Weaver, I think, does stay fairly square. And you can tell that he, like, works, like, solid tech and indie sometimes. You know, like, extension, hands. Because he's not the longest guy either, even though he's you know, a little on the taller side. Like, they mm -hmm. talk about his arms being fairly stubby. But 
he plays with solid technique sometimes. He's just never going to make a play outside the box. And he, I just don't – and I think I said to you, like, on average, two times a game, I see him getting, like, run over, like, put on somebody's highlight tape. It was, like, almost – it was wild to watch. Yeah, I mean, he certainly doesn't run well enough to be impactful on special teams, which is a big bonus for these, you know, lower end uh, sixth, seventh, fifth round draft picks. That's a big uh, check mark you could put next to your name if you could help in that phase. And you know, he just doesn't run well enough for that, in my opinion. Um, I actually think his footwork isn't that great in coverage. He false steps a lot. Uh, he he doesn't seem to trigger fluidly, which is why that score is so bizarre. He ran in the pro agility, but uh, back to Justin Wilcox, the head coach of Cal, he does a heck of a job getting a lot of his pieces there. That defense is impressive. You know, it's funny that you said, I mean, the coverage thing, you couldn't be more right. You know, I I said that he's a coverage liability to be pretty frank. And um, he's strictly a zone guy. And I'm not even comfortable with him playing like zone, but I mean, you're really, you know, you're really holding, you know, your family jewels if you got him in man coverage against anybody even remotely <laughs> athletic. Um, I have his only shot as being a true four three Mike, first and like rundowns only. And I'm like puzzled. You know, I think I think you and I talked about it at one point. I wish college football on the whole, like, you know, metrics have become a huge thing and advanced metrics. And I'm really interested in – and maybe that some of the teams in the league, they, they do this on their own, but I'm a big guy on, like, efficient tackles. You know, so it's kind of bizarre. He had 182 tackles this year, only 10 for loss. Okay, and 10 tackles for loss isn't, isn't a, a very small amount, but if you're going to have 182 of them, like, we have other guys on this list who have 100 less tackles and double the TFLs. Yeah, they're explosive. They're making play, they're making plays. Right. So are his this guy's tackles for five and six yards and he's being used as a speed bump. You know, I'm that's that's where I'm a little messed up. Like I don't buy his stats. I don't buy that from, from like the production level at the next level. Like I just don't think it translates at all. This guy was a first team all American and the defense I think that he might be the defensive player of the year in the Pac twelve. And I'm like I'm I'm puzzled. He, he's he's another guy. I got two cow guys on this list to be broken down and I'm perplexed for different reasons. They're almost on opposite ends of the spectrum. You know, Ashton Davis is a, has got some really, really physical tools, but a little raw and Weaver. I I just don't see him panning out athletically at the next level. Basically. I think just to sum it up, Cal has got some mutts playing there, but they (laughs) figured out a way to get the most out of them. I think that defense just funneled tackles Weaver's way. They probably contained really well. A guy from Cal that we're going to get to, hopefully when we, we do this next year, Cameron Bynum, number 24, cornerback. He flashed on all this Cal film I watched. He's coming back for his uh, senior season. He's probably the one guy that I do really like NFL-wise from their squad. But I, I think we spent enough time on Evan Weaver, unless you have anything else. No, I'm, no I'm good. We can keep it moving. Now, how about Troy Dye from Oregon, 6'3", 231, played the last four games with a torn meniscus that that left him unable to run the 40, which actually I think hurts him because I think he would have run well. Uh, He's a tough kid. He played through a broken thumb against Washington, four-year starter. My note on him is total stud. He's the type of kid I'd really like to coach at linebacker. What do you got on uh, Troy Dye? Yeah, so he's he's an interesting one. So you you hit it on the head with some of the, the injury stuff. What's really interesting about him is that in the bowl game at the end of the year, 
or down the stretch, he was playing with the meniscus and the and the he had a club on his hand for for like the second half of the season, and it kind of got lighter and lighter as it went. But like in the Pac-12 championship game against Utah, he has a pick with the club, you know. And I played linebacker in college, and I played multiple times with a club for for stretches of my career. And when I tell you, you know, how much have we already talked about? guys being able to get off blocks and stuff, your hands are required for a lot of that. And this guy still had a ton of production. He led Oregon in tackles all four years of his career. So that's pretty, that's pretty impressive. The other note that I have on him that is really kind of weird. And I'm not sure I would have to really go back and dig on, you know, how drastic this, the scheme changed, but he played under three coordinators in college. So really just feel for the game and feel for, what he's running, if, if they're changing the language, are they promoting, are they keeping the scheme and, and, you know, they're relying on the coaches to get it right. You know, I don't know that for sure. Again, I'd have to do some more digging on that, but have, playing in three different under three different coordinators, even if it's the same scheme, they're all going to have slightly different styles. And, you know, so for that, that, that's definitely something that's a little interesting to me. That, that That's what I'm saying about that whole idea I had earlier about some linebackers just being born with, a little different level of of instinctiveness. He just excels at reading his keys and diagnosing. He's super intentional in his pass drops, good angles, good natural forward lean in his stance. And what I like about him, I'm a little biased here because the things that I was best at evaluating with my linebackers were their first step and how they finished every rep. Because never having played, I was always a little bit perplexed about what's going on in your mind after the initial key through till the whistle but i know how it's supposed to look in the beginning and at the end so i always felt like i was pretty decent at evaluating that side of things and he, and he finishes every rep and he starts every rep very cleanly he's a little bit of a cumbersome mover at times in between but i'm not sure that matters quite so much yeah you know i a couple of the notes i have on him this and this is a guy that i like i, I think that you know i think he's probably going to be a you know, a third round pick type guy in my head. Um, you know, but I, but I do, I like him a lot. Like I think that some of his game really translates to the next level. And I do like, even out of the guys in front of him, when I really start looking at those other names, he actually probably has more refined linebacker ability than a lot of the guys that are rated higher than him on this list. No doubt. I, I do think he is more polished than than the next, at least, three, potentially four guys we go through. And, you know, we gave Wilcox some credit at Cal. Cristobal has done a nice job at Oregon. When I watch this tape defensively, man, they are physical. You can see it in the Auburn game. They're big and fast. They run well. Oregon has changed the culture there. They're not, they're not the Oregon of uh, yesteryear. Uh, yeah, I agree. I think he's doing a great job. The, the, one of the notes I have on Die that you know, I think if they watch the tape or if his coaches – you know, harp it on them. And I think they did because of some, uh, I noticed that, you know, as I got further into the tape and I, again, this is another team that I had, a, I had a, a, a large portion of film on. So I was really able to dig on him is that he does stay square pretty, you know, almost always, but on flow away in gap scheme um, or, or in general, really, he has a tendency to gain ground before, before he scrapes which results in good angles for like offensive linemen to seal him. When he stayed flat, he's athletic enough to get over the top, and he's super productive. So that was something I think as the season went on, when I watched him play, 
they really had an emphasis on him on action away to not gain ground and then scrape, but to scrape first. And that's you know a big thing that I, that I preach to my guys constantly because, you know, as you gain ground, you're, you're making angles easier for double teams and for guys to come off of chip blocks and climb without a ton of urgency. They're able to stay more comfortable because, you know, you're not flying over the top and they got to chase you. So when he did stay flat, and didn't put you know, push into the line on action away from him. He was way more productive. I couldn't agree more with you on his eyes as a hook curl dropper and a zone defender. I thought he had legit coverage ability for a backer. You know, I think some people knock him, you know, for I, I've, I've seen some stuff about like his feet and he's not as polished as people would like as a, as a, as a coverage guy. I'm really having trouble seeing that knock. I think that I like him as a zone and a man defender. You know, he walked out sometimes as a man defender, um, I think he needs to stay within his frame when getting a collision at the next level. But, you know, I think his length makes him really appealing as a backer who can, you know, match up against, you know, tight ends in the league and long guys because I think he does have really good length. Yeah, that that's a great point you bring up about his sort of inconsistency in terms of maintaining his depth and flow away. I can I can already picture the the drills I used to do in Indy for, for, for my guys in that area. That was kind of one of my – my favorite things to do with them. So I was extremely, extremely bullish on die, but that kind of held me back because I did see him having a ton of success when his defensive tackles were just manhandling the O-line and he was kept clean as a whistle and he didn't have to worry about getting caught up in any wash on flow away from him. So that I was about to make him my second linebacker. And then I kind of had to throttle it back a little bit because he didn't have a clear, a clear picture of things uh, and that second level at Oregon. So uh, other than that, though, I didn't find many holes in his game. Yeah, I got to tell you, there's a couple of things that really stick out about him. So one is a pretty interesting stat to me, just and it, and, it, and it plays to his versatility and his playmaking ability, is that he's only one of nine guys since 2000 in the entire nation to have 15 career sacks and five picks, which is, doesn't seem like a lot, but you know, he's, he's one of nine guys in the entire country to, to – reach career 15 sacks and career five picks. You know, he was a safety coming out of high school. Um, you know, I think that's a huge difference, right? Like we're talking about his ability to, to not only run, but his ability to cover. And we just talked about a guy in Weaver who is a D lineman translated into a backer. And now this guy's a safety translated into a LB. And, and obviously there's glaring differences there. You know, I do think that he needs to improve his pass rush toolbox you know, as well as well as continue to work edges. I think that some of the film I saw on him, you know, once his hands banged up a little rough because his ability to, you know, shock and shed or, or push, pull and rip and those kind of things kind of goes out the window a little, you know, but I got to tell you, Rose Bowl plays with a bum knee and a broken thumb. He has nine tackles, six solo, forces a fumble on Jonathan, you know, Jonathan Taylor. And and they contained him. He had 90 yards rushing in the game. And then Pac-12 championship game with with a legit um, club on his hands, has eight tackles, a half a sack, and a pick and a QB hit. I mean, the guy in the big moments for them, he he, he was productive. Yeah, my, my last note is just that he's a winning player, and I, I think there's something to be said for that. He's a guy that I'm willing to reach on a little bit. He's projected, you know, late third-ish. I, I may be as bullish as to say I like him late second, early third, 
but I'd, I'd be more prone to reach on him than uh, these next three or four guys that we talk about who maybe have more natural ability. Uh, you want to get to Jordan Brooks, or you have any more on Troy Dye? No, yeah, you, I think you hit it on the head. I, I'm 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 high on Dye from a a, a a a upside perspective. You know, I think that he possesses a lot of the tools that you're looking for. Technically, he's already pretty polished, and I think there's just some things you got to clean up. And and I do think he could be a productive pro at, at that position. But yeah, let's get let's get into Jordan Brooks. Yeah, Jordan Brooks, Texas Tech, six foot two forty. Four five one. He he's a dude. He just looks like a dude in the uniform. That's the first note I had <laughs> before I even rolled the tape. Uh, what do you have for us on Jordan Brooks? If you were a number one at inside linebacker, you better be a dude. That's 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 my first note on Jordan Brooks. Um, but he missed. You know, he missed the last game of the year due to an upper body injury, which I feel like I'm. You know, this is like an NHL injury report when I'm when I'm reading <laughs> that. But he's a guy that. He had 108 tackles and 20 TFLs, okay? So, he was second in the country in TFLs per game. So, you know, obviously, TFLs are a huge stag, getting people behind the sticks, off schedule. You know, I, I do think that he has legit closing speed when he finds his angles. He do, I'm not the biggest fan of his, of his stance. So, I'm not a huge – I am not a huge stickler on a bunch of things in, about stance – but there's one thing that I really don't like is he's a 10 and two guy in the stance. So explain that for us a little bit. Yeah. So his feet go out. So when, when I'm looking for his toes, like when I, when we teach stance, you actually get a little pigeon toed before you get down into your stance, because naturally as you sink in your stance, your feet are going to, your hips are going to, you know, come underneath you and your toes are going to be pointed forward when he's 10 and two, you know, meaning that his he's almost looking like he's duck footed a little bit. It's he doesn't run that way. There's another guy on this list, spoiler alert, that runs that way and stands that way. And I can't figure out how he's as good of an athlete as he is. I'm puzzled. But but Brooks, he do, he doesn't run like that. But that is his stance, which which really means to me either he hasn't been coached up a ton on it because of how much a dude he's always been, or they just whoever is his coach there just really isn't you know, worried about that as much as some other things they got going on. Um, yeah. If it, uh, just to elaborate on that, if you're listening at home, if you stand up and mimic a, a linebacker stance, you can just feel how much more natural your power angles become. If you sort of cock your toes inward ever so slightly. And the second you flare out, you just become kind of like flat footed. And, and he is definitely far from a technician. Um, he played a ton of quarterback spy. I don't know what to really make of that. Did you notice that on film as well? I did. And I, we're definitely going to get into that. And there's there's a couple of guys here on this list, and it actually is both both Big Twelve guys. You know, and, yep. and Big Twelve offense really makes it a little tough to evaluate a couple of these guys. You know that that we're we're looking at from a a what how is it going to translate to pro football perspective? Just because of some splits, you know, the RPO action of the game and how frequent that is by a lot of teams that we saw on the schedule and but they're rushing three a lot and their fourth player is a spy and then you know there's this thing that they call like a lurk which he's going to step up and he's less of a spy and more of like a delayed fourth so he's going to stack the the nose and in a lot of schemes the nose is going to make a move one way or the other and the mm -hmm. size the nose chooses 
he's going to stay in that a gap. The lurk goes away. And then he, you know, he becomes a guy that essentially gets a one-on-one with a guard. Or if the guard at that point goes to help with the five technique and the tackle, you know, sometimes that guy becomes a free runner and, and you see some sacks happen that way. So, you know, both, both Texas tech and Oklahoma play with a lurk a decent amount. And, you know, Texas tech, I, I definitely noticed that. And I think it hurts him a little from an evaluation standpoint as a coverage guy at the next level. Yeah. Uh, we actually did some of that with Jimmy Barry at Susquehanna. We called it a lag technique, but that guy in general has to be, you know, he has to be a dude that it, it kind of makes sense, but you're right. As far as evaluating how the skill set will translate, same issues come up with Kenneth Murray. Um, you're just not seeing a lot of traditional linebacker play from them. So it's hard to see how polished and proficient they may, may be in those areas. Uh, what, what kind of ceiling do you see for Jordan Brooks? I think he has to become more effective when he's taking on blocks with his hands. You know, I, I think that one of the things that I saw was a little interesting is that when he's able to run, like you talked about die and how many plays he made. And then you were said that, you know, he's a guy that you felt like he was clean a lot. When this guy is able to run flat and uninterrupted, he can really run sideline to sideline. I mean, this guy is motor, you know, he, he uses a shoulder slip, you know, as a, block the struck technique which I love you know just kind of jab and then slip the near shoulder and stack the lineman but he has to be more effective when he's required to take on blocks with his hands so you know I think that there's there's a lot of things that he still has to work on um you know I think that he has legit closing speed when he finds his angle I mean I've I see some some clips where the quarterback breaks the pocket and he goes to get it, and, I mean, he, he hits the speed burst button for sure. You know, he's he's one of three guys in the nation this year in the top 15 in solo tackles, total tackles, and TFLs. So, you know, he had a ton of production at Texas Tech. It's kind of interesting when you watch them. I don't know how, how closely you looked at their schedule, but, I mean, they, they easily could have been a 7-6 and six team instead of a 4-8 and eight team. You know, it was kind of a, a weird – you know, some finishes the games. I mean, they should have beaten Baylor. I watched that game, you know, and, and they lose to Baylor in, in OT and you know, they should have beat them in regulation. But, you know, there's some there, – there, there definitely were some tough games in the Big 12 for them. But, you know, I think that if he cleans some of that stuff up, I think he can pre- be pretty good. I think he's like a no-brainer as like a team's KO guy like day one. But – Yeah. But I, I do think that, you know – he does have to work on some block destruct type stuff. And, you know, some of the, when they pressure him on rundowns, good things happen. Like he has a knack for timing cadence and then getting in the hip pocket of adjacent linemen and then like running through heels and making TFLs. That, that's, that's a big part of his TFL number is him in the run game getting sent on blitzes. So, you know, more, even more so than him as a, you know, just a read linebacker. When they called his number, you know, on rundowns, he was definitely pretty effective. Yeah. I, another thing, actually, I, that comes through when I watch the tape is that he's oozing confidence. Um, I like how he finishes his reps. He really runs his feet on contact. He, he's a good tackler in that regard. My, my question for him is, you know, there's a couple other guys on the list that I have similar questions about. It just is he going to be willing to own this, you know, wasted movement and sloppy footwork that we saw in college? Is he going to own that and, and become, you know, a great player at the next level? I'm not sure. He's passionate about the game, so I do think there's a good chance of it. I, I, I tend to bet on Jordan Brooks as opposed to betting against him. 
Uh, I, I like him overall. I, I don't think he's, you know, a, a first round pick, but I, I like him, you know, mid twos, early threes range. It's interesting. I actually think that if I, I mean, if I had to, you know, if I had to bet today, I think Die has a more successful career than Brooks does. If, if he gets put, if they both get put in their ideal situation, but I, I do think Brooks ha- has a bunch of upside. I, but I don't think you mentioned the, the footwork of some of these other guys. I, I think the other, some of these other guys you're referring to have a little, though, I think they're a little higher on the, on the genetic uh, DNA scale as far as some of their, some of their movement ability than Brooks. I think, I think he's a great athlete and I think he, he, like you said, he uses confidence, but I think he does have some work to do, but, but I, I, I do like him. I definitely like him. Yeah. I have him just under queen and kind of around the Murray range. I like die second. I mean, that, that's just my personal preference. I know realistically that that's not how it's going to shake out, but so Jordan Brooks is a very interesting player. I think you want to get to Malik Harrison. Yeah. Malik Harrison from, from Ohio state. You know, he's 6'3", 247 pounds. He didn't – he ran a 4.66 in the combine, inverted 36. You know, pro agility is pretty good, though, 4.32. You know, and, and he was the top LB at the whole combine in the three-cone drill, which was kind of interesting. You know, he ran 6.83, which is a pretty good number. Every guy didn't run that, but you – no, know, every guy didn't run, run, that, uh, run that drill, but, you know, he's definitely a guy that – I'll give you this, okay? This, this is. I told you I had some nuggets of of info in this, in this, and he's the first guy where I really get to throw one out there for you. And I'd be shocked if you know this, but it'd be great if you did. Let's hear it. Is that Ohio State football held a dunk competition, and he okay. and he won the dunk contest. So he did a reverse jam where he cocked the ball all the way between his legs and 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 slammed it. And that wasn't the final. The final dunk was he jumped over a teammate down the middle of the lane and dunked it. It, it was it was this guy's six foot three, two hundred and fifty pounds. He's not, you know, he, he's not a he's not a basketball player. He's not six nine, one hundred and ninety pounds. This guy's a two hundred and fifty pounds, huge mammal, and he's jumping over someone else down the middle of the lane at six foot three and dunking a basketball. I was shocked because this was actually the guy. That... I was about to ask you now: Would you have ever believed that if you just if you only watched the tape? Because that does not sync up with the notes that I have. So, Go so, ahead. so this was the guy that was the ten and two stance, the other ten and two stance, and runs ten and two as well. He runs. You know, we have a we had a running back at our place that we didn't think was very fluid, mm-hmm. and he runs a lot like him, like as far as like what his feet are and how his hips are. But it's pretty weird because you rarely see somebody as athletic and an explosive as like that, that actually stands and runs that way, which was, which was pretty wild to me. Yeah. Maybe that, maybe that's what screwed me up. Cause believe it or not, I actually have written down. He seems like he's a bit stiff, which that, that seems like it's out the window after the dunk story. But. <laughs> well, I kind, I, you know, I, I kind of tend to agree with you in some ways. You know, I, I, I watch them, and I do think that it's interesting, right? The way they use them, and it's against some of the other people. Like I remember watching the Clemson game, and you know they split out uh, the running back, uh, and and he's a pretty athletic cat, and I thought that 
I thought he did a good, I thought Harrison did a good job at staying in front of him, you know, playing with good feet and patience and technique. I think he's a guy that actually takes, I think that he takes to the coaching. Like I think that, you know, maybe some of the other things I'm not as high on him as is just like a raw athlete, even though I saw that dunk contest and I was like mm-hmm. floored, but when he does line somebody up, he, 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 he can punish people. You know, he definitely has some twitch. He likes the knockout shot a little bit too much for my liking. He's not the most short rap tackler. I actually saw some missed tackles there. I agree. But he, he seems to be pretty well-rounded and versatile. Um, I don't think there's one trait, though, for him that I was able to hang my hat on as, like, this is his specialty. Um, I mean, I guess he was pretty good at block destruction. Was there something that stood out for you on film that you think will be his bread and butter, or you think it's just more of his well-roundedness? So the one thing I did see, and I, I do think that he's fairly well-rounded, which, which, but the one thing I did see, which was interesting, is the next note I have, and I, I got to watch like a good sample of Clemson offense because I got to figure out, you know, what, what these were. But in multiple times in the Clemson game, he diagnosed pre-snap. Like I, I say he diagnoses at a fairly high level. And it's not about him diagnosing necessarily at a fairly high level post snap as much as it is as with pre snap, whether that has been whether it was tendency or formation and situation recognition. Multiple times in that game, I see physical cues of him and another guy on Clemson's D line tipping off some kind of tendency with, you know, physically. I saw them do it, and it resulted in in the red zone, it resulted in a TFL for, for Harrison one time. And then it resulted in him also blowing up a screen. So I, it was really interesting to me that I'm watching it. I'm like, man, what were these, what were the tendencies that they were seeing pre-snap where he essentially on the snap of the football already knew what he was getting and, and he made the play. So, you know, I, I do think that he could be a little bit of a film junkie in that regard because whether, I mean, it couldn't have been that glaring. I think that Clemson's a very well coached football team. So I don't think it's something that's sloppy on their part. So I do think it was probably a minute detail that you know, they picked up on the tape and you know, it resulted in positive plays for, for him and his defense. Yeah, that's interesting that you credit it. You were able to see it at the point where you were able to credit it to pre-snap you know, identification because I, I do have written down he's a very efficient diagnoser in the run game. But I, I like that take that you have that you think it's more maybe film study translation that, that makes that excites me that he can take the NFL coaching. And, and just real quick, what an unbelievable job Ryan Day did stepping in for a legend, Urban Meyer. I thought Ohio State uh, really accounted themselves very well this year. They, they were polished. They played aggressive with a lot of energy. They just they brought it every single week. They fell a little short at the end of the day. That was a heartbreaking game against Clemson. But Ohio State, to me, I, I was very impressed with Ryan Day. I'll just leave it at that. I agree. I, I think I think he did a great job. You know, I don't want to get into too much detail on this or or have a, a side combo, but I do think that actually Ohio State outplayed Clemson in that game. I think that I think there were a couple plays in that game that that distinctly went against Ohio State's way. And, and scoop and score fumble, yeah, the, the incompletion to Dobbins and the tar- and the tar- and the, and the, tar- and the targeting. Yeah, and the targeting was nuts. I forgot we went crazy about that one. <laughs> so, you know, there's there's multiple points in that game where an impact player gets removed from the game after a sack that results in an extended series. You know, the scoop and score that was 
I don't know, they call it a touchdown on the field, and I don't think there's anything anybody could possibly have seen that tells you Insane. otherwise on the even on the replay, you know, and, and it still goes all the way down to the wire. And, you know, it's it's it really is one of those things where I'm I'm watching it and I go, Man, I, I when you're in that big of a game with two teams that are as well coached and as quality physically as those two, there's not going to be a ton of room for error. And and I don't like blaming the referees, but I think that you know, there, there were a couple calls in that game that, that cost Ohio state a trip to the national championship. I mean, that was as gut wrenching a loss as you could possibly have. Fortunately for them, I think that they were going to get steamrolled by LSU, <laughs> but uh, we'll get to LSU in just a bit. No doubt. How about Kenneth Murray, Oklahoma, six, three, two forty one. Four five two. I know we're going to have some general disagreement here because all year long I thought he was a really good player. He kind of just stands out a lot when you watch Oklahoma casually in real time. Uh, I think a lot of it due to his assignment. But uh, he's he's a guy who's very explosive in his stance. He, he looks like he's ready to be shot out of the cannon. What do you think about Kenneth Murray, Pat? I, so, impressive tester, right? And And what's crazy about it is, and I have this written down, is that he tweaked his hammy at the combine during his second 40 and he was running a pretty good, you know, he got out of the gate pretty well after running you know, low four five in his first one. And it's pretty like wide. the consensus out there is like pretty wide that like, he's actually like closer to like a mid four, four hot to high four, four guy. And I'm certainly one of the people that believes that. I mean, I, I had to make sure my computer wasn't on like fast forward or like times one and a half when I was watching their film because sometimes when you see him run it's 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 staggering how fast he is um you know he's a guy that had 102 tackles and 17 tfls a really interesting thing about him and i know you like stuff like this is that he graduated early graduated and he's only a junior so he graduated in december as he did he did enroll early so he did three full years and he graduated in three full years he had 18 credit hours during the season as a senior. So he was a guy that, you know, he actually pushed himself off the field in the classroom as well. And, you know, his, he said he had a plan when he came in there that he was going to graduate in three years and, and be drafted in, in that third season. And he's definitely going to accomplish both of those things, which is awesome. Um, that That's super impressive to me. And that, that answers some questions that I had about him for sure. Would you say now he, he runs like the wind? There's no doubt about that. When, when he when he pulls the trigger, he's gone. It seems like to me at times, this is probably a little harsh, it's almost like he's blindfolded. Like he just like misses the angle a lot. I, I, I don't know what that's all about. He just, something about his natural lack of ability to find the correct angle bothered me. Did you see any of that or am I talking out of my ass? You're not. You know, I, but I credit it to something different. So for me – so I have written down here that he needs to learn to stay in the back hip of the ball carrier on gap scheme away. You know, multiple times he gets over the top, the front side linebacker like spills the pull. So he's, the ball's got to gonna pop outside the, the puller mm-hmm. and the ball cuts outside the puller, but inside of him and it splits the defense. So he does have a tendency a little bit to overrun. So he's got to get coached up on that sometimes. And this is where I'm going to say what you were just talking about, what you alluded to, I think he trust. I actually think sometimes that he trusts his speed and athleticism too much. I think that he'll make poor decisions to backdoor some blocks on runs to the edge, ultimately taking him out of the play altogether. And I actually 
you know, I, I'm really conflicted on it. I, I, is it is it that he has a low IQ in the sense of what the angle actually is, or is he just that cocky that he can backdoor the block and go make the play? You know, and that's for me. I'm I'm trying to figure that out now. I will say this as well, though. He's like a business like cat. Like when I watch him play, he plays with emotion when his team makes plays but he doesn't he'll make like a silly athletic play and like get up and run back to where the ball is going to be spotted and look to the sideline. Like at a lot of guys, you know, and, and I'm a guy that doesn't mind a guy with some swagger that kind of, you know, is a little bit of a showman, but he's not that, you know, he, he, he has, he has a lot of emotion when he plays, but as far as, you know, he, he makes a TFL or inside out, you know, he makes an absurd play against that quarterback from Houston early in the year. And, he's not even phased by it. He just gets up and, and, and goes back to the, you know, where he's going to line up to go get the signal from the sideline. So I definitely see what you're talking about with, with sometimes the angles and stuff like that. I'm just really not sure what the, what the reason behind that is. Yeah. He's a, he's a bit of a enigma to me in a, in a number of ways, um, similar to Brooks in that schematically, he was sort of that, QB spy player a lot. I didn't see a lot of, you know, elite uh, diagnosing or recognition. Um, But just, again, the thing that really stands out to me is how light on his feet he is and athletic and explosive in his stance. I think he's a guy that a linebacker coach at the next level would be super excited to sort of sculpt and mold into a polished player, but he's, he's far from a finished product. You know, he, right now he's projected uh, a couple different sports books actually have, uh, odds posted on when guys are going to be drafted right now. His over under is the 21st pick, you know, s- some teams that are looking at him are probably like the Eagles, maybe even Baltimore. If he falls that far green Bay, I mean, it, do you think he's a, a scheme specific guy in any way, or do you think he's just, he's going to be one of your best 11? I think you hit the nail on the head with, with, I mean, there are very few, and I, I would probably even venture to say zero, linebacker coaches in the league who wouldn't love to get their hands on this guy from an athletic perspective. I mean, you look at, and there's a couple other guys obviously that are elite athletes here at the very top, you know, but when I watch him, he has insane sideline to sideline range. I mean, when I, I'm not sure, including the other guys on this list that we haven't talked about yet. And, you know, and, and Simmons is a little bit different of an enigma in some ways with how they align him and what they do, but I really am not sure. I can just off the top of my head say, yeah, I know an inside linebacker in the league that you know, not, I'm not saying he's better player than all these guys, but when I say you put the ball in the, the boundary hash and you throw or you run a stretch to the field, his ability to run just flat out run and, and his game speed is, is impressive to me, you know? So I do think that, you know, somebody who, is a, you know, might have veterans in the group or, or somebody that, you know, really feels really good about, you know, talking about tracking with him and anchoring down and being a little bit better of a block destructor with, with his hands rather than just relying on his athleticism. You know, I think some, somebody with a staff like that, I think it's really intriguing. I think, you know, the Raiders are another team I've kind of seen that, that he's a, that he is a potential fit, the Jags, you know, um, after losing, you know, after losing some athletes to that position in, in the last, you know, couple of years. And, you know, so I do think that's an interesting spot that you talked about with the sports book. Cause I do think he's like high teens, early twenties. It's almost like in my mind, he, mm-hmm. he's almost like a lock in that area with some of the teams that, that have needs 
in those areas. But I do think he has limited ball skills, which was interesting. I saw him drop a couple picks in his career um, this season, rather, that, that hit him, I mean, fairly square. Um, he does watch, you know, he, he's actually a little bit of a film nut from the perspective of maybe not his film or whatever, but he watches a ton of, I watched an interview on him talk about Bobby Wagner and Luke Keekley are like the two guys that he tries to mold his game after. And, and he watches a ton of them on tape. So that was, that was kind of interesting for me to hear that those are the two guys, you know, and, and both of those guys have legitimate speed. So, you know, that, that was something that I thought was pretty interesting as well. Come on, man. You Luke Keekley lovers make me sick. Oh man, it's okay. I I respect I, Bobby Wagner is one of my favorites. So, some things about Keekley I tend to to nitpick over the years. I know he's a tremendous <laughs> player, obviously. Uh, Kenneth Murray, Oklahoma. I mean, to me, twenty one is too high for him. I, I'm not going to be the one that pulls the trigger. I, I like a lot about him. I think you're higher on him than me. I like the next guy better. I'm curious what you have to say about Patrick Queen at LSU. Six foot two twenty nine. Four or five, kind of waited his turn at LSU. I waited for Devin White to, to graduate and get out of there. So what do you think about Patrick Queen? So he's an interesting one. And this is a guy that I loved him. I loved him when I watched him live. I thought he popped, like, when I wasn't evaluating and I was just watching an LSU game. And for me anymore, you know, as you probably know, it's really hard for me to to watch a game as, like, a casual fan. I, I'm, pro- I'm, I'm watching linebackers a lot anyway. And so I – I actually got a lot of pleasure out of watching LSU because because this guy was a, a ton of fun to watch. He was a 38 inch vert. He ran, you know, low. He was four or five guy. I mean, he's fast. He's a one year starter, which is kind of, and not even a full one year starter, which is pretty interesting. He didn't he didn't start, um, you know, to to you know I think he only started 12 of the 15 games this season. Um, he had a talk about a meteoric a meteoric rise in his stock, right? The guy that is like a one-year guy and pretty much now like a consensus first-round pick. It, it, it's a pretty it's a pretty wild thing, and obviously, you know, some of the team notoriety and how how widely covered they were, you know. And and personally, though, he's a guy that you know is a very reserved individual. You know, I, I did a lot. This is a guy that I've done a ton of research on, even before you asked me to do this. Um, mm-hmm. When he got scholarship, so he's he's from he's from he's from the south. He's from Louisiana. When he got scholarships, he wasn't a guy that like basked in that glory and took advantage of that. Like he stopped going out, he stopped date, like he didn't date. He became very like tunnel visioned, like towards like his goals of playing ball at LSU. And he was a high school running back. He was a guy that was more like they they, you know, he played LB, but he has a ton of room to grow as a technician. He was a guy that that was not a net like he's as far as his his refined ability there's still a lot of room because when they brought him in they he's kind of played in a couple different spots for them and you know he's he's so he's still learning the position as a whole really i have a really funny story about him so i i read this or i heard it but his dad had him at the drive in a driveway at five years old they were doing like figure eight dribbling drills in, in basketball and he wouldn't let him shoot the ball until he like completed this gauntlet with like confidently dribbling with both hands. And this is a kid that he's young. He was a stud baseball player in high school. I mean, this is a, he, you know, he's, 
he's only 20 now. He turned 18 in, in August before his freshman season. So he's a guy that his first ever start, you, you alluded to, you know, with, with the suspension for targeting, he comes in, he plays Bama as a sophomore. He has nine tackles and two tackles for loss in that game in his first real action in the first half, you know, or, you know, he gets that start because of the suspension to, you know, to his teammates. So, you know, pretty, pretty impressive. Yeah, so I think the the overarching theme for Patrick Queen is that he just does not have a lot of tread on his tires, which to me is a good thing. Uh, he's now he's a junior and he's young for a junior, just on the age spectrum as far as you know what 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 year he he fell into play there. For sure, uh, he's he, he's a pup, he's raw, but to me he's a dog. Like when I watch the film, I know you you, you mentioned the reserves comment. I do see some like inner juice flowing at all times with him. He. He's violent. Um, I only have one reserve about Patrick Queen. You you tell me if it's something to be concerned about. At six foot, I don't want to say that's like small by any means. He just is kind of undersized. Is he going to get bodied by big offensive linemen? That's the only concern I have. Everything else I love about Patrick Queen. So did you? Were you able to watch the? Were you able to break down the Bama game? Yeah, I watched all the games. Yeah, so Bama, he got bullied on some snaps. With with like yep, some downhill run game, um, when he was just like a read defender and not not blitzing or in the pressure, you know, and that for me, that's my concern, you know, and and some of that might come from lack of a, a true menu of different variations on how to, you know, we do it all the time, you know, we we spend EDDs every single day, is we go through a menu of block destruct at nauseum to the point where it's really second nature, you know, and. A guy like him who, like you said, hasn't had a ton of tread, but also is, is you know, fairly new to play in this position at an elite level. You know, he really does have to develop a a menu of various block destruct techniques when you're going to play against guys who are extremely athletic and 100 pounds heavier than you that are going to be in your face. So, you know, I, it, it is a concern for me. I do think that if he gets put in the right spot, I, I think he has a ton of room to grow. You know, I think that he fit better against teams that were a little more laterally predicated and more spread oriented. Like he actually, you know, he made some big time plays in in games where where the ball was more horizontal. I said that he made a lot of plays as far as his production as like a chase player from the backside, whether the run away, like you know, just kind of filling and 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 fitting that way. So. You know, I, I, I do love him. I think he's exa- insanely flexible and has a ton of balance. There's a, a play that sticks out to me against Georgia in the SEC championship game where he he blitzes late in the game. And it seems like a lost rep for him. And he almost gets knocked to the ground. But I have no idea how he stays on his feet. It's like both of his ankles turn all the way on their sides. And somehow he still doesn't fall and, like, spins off and gets a sack. And, and it, it was impressive. I think he's a dog. I think he's relentless. That the, re, the, the story I talked about with his dad in the driveway and all that stuff type of stuff, for me, that, that the underlying theme of that is, like, this kid has legitimately been, since he's young, like, he's worked. It, he, he's very – he is very naturally gifted with his speed and his athleticism and explosiveness. But it, it is not – he's not been handed anything at the college level. And he's a worker. He's a grinder. Like, I, I, this is a guy that I'm going to bet on 10 times out of 10 that he's going to get into a situation and 
yeah, he played for a national championship. Yeah, he was the defensive MVP of the national championship game. But I don't think he's a guy that gets high on his own supply. I don't think he's – I don't think that he's, you know, reading the press clippings and feeling good about himself. I think he's grinding, and and I think that's going to make him a, a very, very elite player at the next level. I think he's pretty fluid in man coverage, too, to be honest with you. I think he's a, a three-down backer. You know, that, that story – that you told me about his dad. I'm picturing Earl Woods with Tiger Woods <laughs> at a young age, like yelling in his backswing and forcing him to, you know, to to keep to putt for like hours on end until he like makes a hundred in a row. Just crazy sure. stuff that his dad put him through as a young kid. But I do, I, I think that mental toughness will, and sort of a natural chip will carry carry forward to the NFL and and be a major benefit for him. You know, it's just the, the the undersized deal that that's going to be the big thing. But if he can, if he can hone an effective toolbox and block destruction and block avoidance in general, I, I think he's got all the tools to be a, a special player. I'm high on Queen. He's right now his landing spot over under is 23 and a half, so he's predicted to be two and a half picks later than Murray. I actually like Queen a little bit better than Murray, but you know, all those teams that we already discussed are also in the running for him. I think the Saints makes a lot of sense, you know, hometown guys. Yeah, so. that would be awesome. I, I couldn't agree more with your point, too, on – on. I mean, I, I've written down that he's an extremely smooth operator. Like, he, you know, he was uh, – his fluid hips. I said that the first night – but he played like a diff, decent amount of man-to-man. I remember, you know, there were, there were a couple times, whether it was uh, – I can't remember the exact games all the time I had. I know Bama was one, but they ran a few wheels on him. And then with the back out of the backfield, but then – a couple other times too, at all the games I've watched that, you know, he's like the first 98% of the rep, he's almost like elite. I mean, his ability to run and athletically fluidly, you know, he's, he's, he's impressive. He needs to become more consistent at playing through the hands or squeezing out routes, like as the ball gets there and getting more ball aware. Like he's, you know, I, I joke about it on the other side when we do one-on-ones when, when a receiver makes a great move, but doesn't make the catch. It's like a dollar move, but a 10 cent finish. And, and you know, that for him is, is almost the same thing, but you know, on, on the, on the opposite side that, you know, he does all the right things to put himself in a position to finish the rep and either get a breakup or, know a contested you know a play for a positive play for him or just an incompletion in general and you know sometimes whether it's how he turns or whether he gets ball aware just at the wrong moment and the ball's getting there as he's getting his head around I think he just needs to clean that up and I think it is something he can't clean up and not like you said I I think he has a a really bright future yeah I think that's well said it's almost like he's missing the cherry on top on a lot of his reps he almost does the harder stuff and then just doesn't take it to the last step and finish the deal. But I think a lot of that could be confidence and experience, you know, just because of how raw yeah. he yeah. is. Uh, I'm, I'm, high, I'm high on Queen. I guess I would have to say he's my, you know, second backer on the board. You know, the next guy, I don't even know how <laughs> to – I was actually overwhelmed watching the tape. I kind of gave up on taking notes and almost was going to just let you handle it because Isaiah Simmons – is so hard for me to comprehend. 6'4", 238, a 4'39", and <laughs> looks it. I mean, my my question was, could he play any position at Susquehanna? You mean you mean would I let him play I mean, at like, every spot in the football field? I think he could. I think he could excel at every spot. Yeah, on the football I mean, field. I think he could excel at every spot in the football field at you know Akron. 
Maybe at yeah, Clemson. At, yeah, I mean, at, at some Division One schools, I think he could excel at all 11 – like at nine of 11 positions on defense he could probably play, you know, which is pretty crazy. Yeah. I mean, so the big question on him that, you know, all my friends are asking – I have a lot of Giant fans in this area. They question and they're they're worried that you need the right defensive coordinator to really know how to use him. I kind of think – that's the opposite and anyone can stumble into a, a good usage <laughs> for him. Now I, I under I understand to get his ideal version of himself. You you want to find the ideal role, but I, I'm rambling enough. What do you have on Isaiah? Sanders? Yeah, so I'm gonna I'm gonna make this point and it's actually gonna be about Queen before I dive into Simmons, is that when Queen played against Georgia in the SEC championship game in Oklahoma and Clemson, he was playing his best ball in those games. Like when I broke those games down, I thought he was as locked in as he could be, whatever. And I, I think that was fairly similar to Simmons in the regard that I, I broke down a Florida state game on him and they like romped Florida state. I mean, it was like early in the game. It was like ugly and his technique went out the window. When I tell you, when I watched him like in the slot playing man, he was like super lazy as far as, getting out early, you know, and then when I watch him in the national championship game against way better people on the other side of the ball, he's more patient. His technique is more locked in, you know, those types of things. So it was kind of funny because I think there are a few guys on this list who regardless of competition kind of played their game. And I think Simmons actually might be a victim of like, he's so athletic and so absurd. Like I remember listening to one of your other podcasts and I forget who you were talking about. I think it might have been a guy from like Bama or or like uh, O lineman, and just talking about you know you were like I think he just dominates the rep so quickly that you know he's over it, and somebody was knocking yeah. him for not finishing reps, and that was Jedrick Wills the tackle. And it's not that same thing, but it's the same premise of like against some of the other competition and not like the top dogs it almost was like I can kind of just, and it happens to some people. I see it happen to our guys sometimes, like, you know, when they're playing really well and practice and they have like a backup guy in front of them, you know, that's like the only equivalent I can really draw. But like when they really don't have respect for the guy in front of them, some of their technique starts going out the window a little bit. And I, I think he is a little bit of a victim to that. Now he's an interesting story as far as it's very clear to me and anybody who has a set of eyeballs that he is a genetic freak. You know, like I mean, almost a like generational genetic freak, just from size. Yeah, no doubt. Speed. I, I was gonna just his measurables. I can't remember anything crazier than so. That. You know, six four two thirty eight sub four four. That, that's not of. now not close to his level, but just to put a little bit of perspective on this, and I don't know, you know where these this gene pool's from. So his older brother Victor, he played at Kansas. They're from Kansas. His older brother Victor played at Kansas as like an overhang type guy, and then. His cousin, who's also from Kansas, played basketball at Kansas. He's six foot nine. So, like, I mean, they got they got some genes flowing through the Simmons gene pool. His cousin's name's Shante Johnson, but you know, he had a long stint overseas and played as a pro over there. But you know, I mean, this kid is stupid athletic. And the one, you know, it's it's really interesting. I, I completely agree with what you said about, you know, the Giants fans that said that you need a specific guy. The knock on him, and this will be funny, and you might be surprised by this, the knock on him for me 
And I love Brent Venables. Like, I, I think that he's a tremendous coordinator. Uh, he might be the he might be the best defensive coordinator in the game. At, you know, at the at that the, the the power five level. And you know, when I look at him though, I almost think that he was such a Swiss Army knife that he didn't. He's not elite technically at any position. No question like, he's about it. So over. I mean, and he he relied like on his genetic like freak genetics which at the next level, in my opinion, he's still going to be able to rely on. Like that That's where I'm at with this guy is that he's such a rare physical specimen with size and speed that like he's never going to have to be the most technically sound. But the only guys that even pop in my mind, and I don't even have their measurables in front of them, but the guys that pop in my mind are like Taylor Mays, uh, uh, Antonio Cromartie, like – these super big guys that can run like freaks and need, I don't think either of those guys were nearly as big as him. And, you know, maybe, maybe close to as tall, but you know, just, I mean, freak genetically, but I just don't, you know, he got used in so many different ways. I think actually it's going to take somebody to really like go through technique at the position they want him to play until they're blue in the face. And then they're going to have like a perennial pro bowler. But I, th- I think it's just going to take a little bit of, of sharpening some technique tools. Yeah. So a, a few things to catch up on from from what you just discussed. It, we, when we talked about Murray, we mentioned that they trust their athleticism so much that sometimes that's how sometimes they get beat because of that. Like he he's not always a hundred percent dialed in, like you said, especially against the the lesser competition. There's a lot of sloppy, bad reps mixed in when you watch the tape. He's not technically sound at anything, you know, in, in particular. But I think, just like you said, he was asked to do so many things at Clemson. He never got the, the chance to really hone in on his craft. Like, he, he was just so all over the place and so gifted that he was spread a little too thin there. I think at the next level, it would really help him to – to specify a role. Now, I don't mean he can't be versatile at the next level. That's not what I'm trying to say, but it needs to be reeled in a little bit. I mean, against Ohio State, he's playing the deep half. He's playing the deep third from the line of scrimmage. He's playing off man on the slot. He's playing middle linebacker. He's blitzing. I mean, that's a lot on anybody's plate, especially a college kid. I I think he has to be you know, pointed a little bit in the direction in the NFL. I'm not enough of an expert to tell you what would be the best direction, but I think whichever way you point him, he's going to be really good at it. That, that That's all I really that, – that's my main take on Simmons. Yeah, Pat, you know what's funny? And you know, We're talking about Isaiah Simmons from, from Clemson, and um, it's so funny because you couldn't hit it more in the – when I'm watching their games – from a snap to snap basis, when the next wide shot comes up, I gotta like find them. I'm like, you know, <laughs> like, like, whereas opposed to everybody else, like, oh yeah, they might be strong inside or strong outside, but like, I'm like, oh man, he's all the way out the numbers covering the widest guy and empty, or he's actually playing the post to snap for no apparent reason when they're not. I mean, it's, it's, it's absurd how, you know, and I listen. I feel for, for Venables, you know, you, you start getting in some of those, I mean, modes of creativity where you got a guy that is so gifted that the ability to disguise and, you know, and, and do certain things that allow you to really 
you know, either break tendencies or really, you know, manipulate protections or, you know, really utilize other guys that also have those skill sets to blitz and pressure and, and allow him to do other things that he's really, really good at. Yeah, you know, he did that there. But I actually think for me at the next level, I want to see him play in a scheme where he's like a weak side inside linebacker. He's covered up, you know, he's protected a fair amount in the run game with, with the fronts in front of him. And then I think he's like a perfect guy to say like, you know, against these really, really athletic tight ends in the league, like he's going to be the matchup in games. You know, like I remember the Seahawks, you know, they used to play, you know, um, Cam Chancellor a lot on, you know, like Gronk, you know, that was like the guy. And that, I think that's pretty high praise for Simmons. You know, I know he's getting hyped a lot, but like, you know, I, I think that that type of stuff, you know, making him a guy that really can kind of combat the genetic freaks that are currently playing the tight end position in the NFL, some of those guys. And then the other part that's super intriguing to me is the more and more you see, you know, some of these guys, not necessarily running quarterbacks, but guys that are super mobile that can extend plays and run for first downs. Some of the stuff you saw Murray and, you know, Brooks do at the college level, you know, you might see a guy like Simmons on third down do a little bit at the NFL level. Yeah. I mean, he's just, he he can become the eraser. And I think it's, you have, you do have to be careful to not uh, make his role too broad because then the same type of thing is going to happen as did at Clemson. Now, he had a great career at Clemson. I, I'm not saying that, but I, I don't want him to be spread too thin, especially early on his career. I mean, he could be a great quarterback player in the zone read. Like, you could just, against Lamar Jackson, I'm telling him, okay, you're, you're the quarterback player. We're going to crash the edge, and, and you got Lamar. And I'm confident that he could play him one-on-one. Like, with relative ease, he could cover guys like Gronk back in the day with right. his height. He could cover smaller slots. Like, he could do it all. But early on in his career, I, I want his role a little more specified so he can hone his craft. Because eventually, technique will win. He ain't going to be that much more athletic than everyone around him. He, I mean, he will be to an extent, but it's not going to be like it was in college. Um, I, I don't know where he falls, though, man. It looks like the Giants are going to take an offensive lineman at four from everything I'm hearing. I think Detroit kind of wants to trade down. Right now, his projection is six and a half. And, man, if you get this kid at the seventh pick in the draft, Steve, Steve. That, is, that is ridiculous. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I would say, I mean, once you start getting into that range of like four or five, like I'd be shocked. I mean, maybe even you're saying the, Gi- the Giants are the Giants at four? The Giants and, are at four, yeah. Detroit's at three looking to trade back. Supposedly. So there's a couple of things there, right? Like I, I do think that there's the legitimate possibility that you could see somebody trade up for him. If somebody's not ready to take him in one of those four or five, I mean, if he gets to like six and he's still on the board, some of the teams towards like the back half or in like the middle of the teens or somebody who has a ton of draft capital is probably going to sit there like, man, like this is a guy that if he plans out the right way, I mean, He's got so many – I don't even know who to draw a comparison to. He's a really funny evaluation from that perspective. Like, I don't even – I can't even say, like, he reminds me of blank. You know, that's not – Yeah, I mean, he, he doesn't. If you're playing poker and you and you put one joker in the deck and say joker's wild, that's what he is. But that's how powerful of a card he is for anyone that gets him. He's a wild card. You can make him 
basically the best at whatever little niche you want. And he's just going to be a stud. I think he's a very safe pick. I'd be shocked if he goes past six or seven. I actually think Detroit, if they don't get uh, any deals that they want, I think they may pull the trigger at three. I think it's kind of a narrative that Okuda is going there because they let Slay walk. I mean, if you're asking me, do I want Simmons or Okuda? I'm taking Simmons all day. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I, I I do think he's one of those guys that people are going to look back on this draft if he slips, and people are going to be be made to look like fools. And I, you know, I, but I do think from your earlier point, which is so true, I think the biggest mistake somebody can make early on with him is saying he can do it all, so let's do it all with him instead of really hyper-focusing his, his craft into, into making him a, you know, a super confident technician at a specific position. And if his technique is even, you know, good, not even a, a greater elite at that position, then he's going to be a dominant force for years. Special thanks to Susquehanna football and defensive coordinator Pat Ruley. Couldn't have done this without you, and thanks for listening.